Hello beautiful people, thank you so much for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films, whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, like I stay every week, it is super appreciated and thank you for your constant, constant support. Tom Cruise returns as Ethan Hunt along with his IMF colleagues to once again take on a mission that seems impossible, but we know how these things go. Nothing is impossible when you have incredible stunts, a lot of masks and you're pretty good at car chasing and running too because Tom Cruise, oh, he loves to run, doesn't he? <laughs> but it feels like it was such a long time ago since Mission Impossible Fallout was dropped. Now, it's crazy to think that was 2018. I mean, man alive, we've had a pandemic and over in the UK, Brexit has gone through since then. And Fallout to me probably was the peak of the MI films as that was easily one of the best action films I've seen and it, and it pretty much did break the barriers with what they could do stunt wise and just what they could do in terms of capturing that on film as well and and just to be frank let's be honest these Mission Impossible films have no right being as good as they're getting you know what I mean with each film each release I mean I think since the third one because I love the first one don't get me wrong the second one not so much I do, I do quite like the third one. A few people, are, I know the few fans out there aren't too fussed about the third one, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, man, in that one is just excellent. But either way, what I'm saying is, is that they just seem to be just getting better and better and better and better. So going into this one with Dead Reckoning Part 1, the question I had was, is it going to be better than Fallout? Now, Fallout is the top level now that I'm always going to be going back to and I'm watching these films. And though Dead Reckoning is good, Part 1 that is, obviously... And it's full of absolute fun and action-packed moments. I have to say, I did come out a little bit disappointed and almost thinking that they may have slightly jumped the shark with this one. Um, but we're going to talk about all of that. And again, I need to stress, it's not a bad film. It's a good film, don't get me wrong. But in terms of Mission Impossible as the, as the films go, I just had a little bit of a tougher time with this one. But we are going to talk about it all on this episode. And of course, it will be spoiler-free as I possibly can keep it. But if there's any kind of slight things in there, I apologise in advance. But obviously, before we do proceed, the podcast is available on rss.com, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever it is. You, you know where it is. But thank you so much. If you could do one mission for me with this podcast is to go and like it should you choose to accept that anyways is to go and hit the review button give us five stars whatever it is just leave a review that would be really really appreciated all the same but jump onto the socials give us a like and a follow on there just search joe blogs about films into facebook and instagram you'll find the page that too would be awesome now here we go dead reckoning part one god hollywood and studios doing these uh part ones and twos eh? they're loving it but Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a new rogue AI system before it falls into the wrong hands, threatening society with its immeasurable power. But is Ethan's past finally catching up with him? Now, I'm going to have to just quickly jump back to what I was saying a few moments prior with how I came away disappointed from this film. Because as I've stated a couple of times, or just then, I want to stress it's not a bad film. It's just I think that... I went in personally with too high of expectations. And that's all down to the consistent levels of greatness that these MI films throw at us. I said before I went into the screening, the least that we know and expect is the film to be great. Like, it's just a given, isn't it? It's just a given with these films, the effort, you know, that they put into these films. It's going to be great. However, the longer the film went on, and in spite of some really great sequences... I came out just thinking, yeah, it was good, but it, it, it wasn't great. And that, for me, 
is where that disappointment creeps in. I don't want to stick too much with the negative straight away, as that's not really fun, is it, for you to listen to? So let's jump to some positives, as there's things I really did like about the film, and there is enough in there to keep you entertained. Tom Cruise obviously brings his A-game, cruise control and all that. He is a superstar at the end of the day. The guy will die for our entertainment, won't he? Like, it's going to happen. So you have to give him all the credit. And the effort in this film, as I've just briefly touched upon, the cast, the crew, all went through making this film during COVID. And what they've done is, it is remarkable, you know. They always push and push, and Tom Cruise is at the forefront of that. You only have to listen to him going bananas at the uh, at the poor person that he was yelling at that got leaked. Do you know what I mean? To, to, to really feel the pressure and, and the effort that he is making for these films. Now, we will come to the stunt shortly, don't worry, but what was quite interesting and intriguing is that we started to see some pockets of Ethan Hunt's past, learning a little bit of what led him to joining their IMF, and so on. We haven't really touched on that before in the films, and, and you know, there might be a few things here and there, maybe, but this time, we see a few flashbacks. I mean, we're talking seconds, like literally seconds of film, but it starts to reveal and unravel a bit more about him as well as you know what links him to the villain of this movie. What also was a great and fantastic dynamic was the performance between Cruz and Haley Atwell. Atwell comes in as the character Grace, who is essentially just a jack of all trades with, with within the criminal world kind of thing. Bit of pickpocket in this, that, and the other. You know, loads of passports with different names, whatever this, that, and the other. And then she is just thrust into this circumstance revolving around this AI system and the key to all of that, which then leads her to join forces with Ethan Hunt. This is probably where the film's best moments and best sequences come in, as whenever both of these are on screen together, really, really grand. And it was really nice to see Atwell as this similar character to what Ethan Hunt was from the earlier films, you know, learning the ropes, understanding what the IMF is and how to think outside the box and work as a team to solve the mission. Hunt has always looked to improve his skills and learn from his mistakes, literally from the mission going wrong in the first one, that opening mission, he's always looked to make sure nothing is compromised and no other casualties are caused from said mission. And it's nice to see Hayley Atwell's grace kind of go through similar emotions in this film. There's a turning point for a character in the film that you're like, yes, this is this is it now. The trajectory moving forward, she is going to be fully on board with what the IMF have to offer, you know, and what they do. And I think Atwell is probably the standout character for me in this film anyways, and I'm very much excited to see the future, what's going to offer for her in this franchise, because she's going to be knocking about for... for uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of setting her up to take over this, you know, the role that Tom Cruise has really mastered with Ethan Hunt, but that remains to be seen. Now, the cast is absolutely jam-packed with names, so I doubt I'll cover every single person, but another dynamic that was fun was that of Simon Pegg's Benji and Ving Rhames' as Luther. Both these guys are the tech heads of the team and they have a lot of chemistry and one-upmanship with what they're doing and the mission that they're working on. It works really well as well having two tech heads on involved in a mission considering it is all revolving around an AI system with ter terrifying capabilities. You know, both of these characters are involved in one of my favourite parts of this movie, which was like the real first set piece that we saw, which is the airport sequence in Abu Dhabi. There's obviously one mission involving Hunt, which is getting the key for the AI system that's ongoing. And then on top of that, you've got Benji and Luther that are trying to defuse a bomb placed in the airport that again is being controlled by said AI system. 
there's a lot of layers to Peg's performance in this particular moment, you know, from frustration, panic, a sprinkle of that classic Peg humour as well that I really did enjoy. And as I say, that, that airport sequence... As a whole, it probably was my favourite moment and section of this film. Like I, that, that, that for me was really intense. That's what I wanted all the way through the film, and that is probably, as I said, the most intense and suspenseful element that the film had to offer. And I, I guess that's really where my negatives start to come in. And I don't mean, you know, to keep comparing and harking back to Fallout, but every sequence in Fallout was super intense. Like. I felt it was a matter of life and death or that Hun was against the world. I know he goes rogue. They do make fun of that as well in this, but you know what I mean? Like, it was so, so intense. Whereas in Dead Reckoning, I didn't feel this suspense at all. I kind of felt like I was going through the motions with this one. Even with these death-defying stunts that Cruz, you know, has thrown himself into for this film... I just didn't feel at the edge of my seat as much as I did in the films prior. Now, I do feel the stunts were completely spoiled as well in the marketing for this film, like all these behind-the-scenes sequences that I personally think they should have left now looking back. They should have left them for the home release or at least leave them until after the film has dropped, you know. That, to me, looking back now, is a little alarming because it's like they were showing so much ahead of the film, it's like they hadn't got much else going for it, so they were just thinking, oh, let's just show them all these, you know, amazing set pieces and stunts. But again, that's just my opinion, you know. The story overall, I felt, could have been a little bit better. I wasn't fussed about the AI concept, and, and I thought that the villain, you know, of the film was really wooden. The AI element of it, it is, it is terrifying to think what it could do, and I do like certain parts of it, but overall, I, I, just, I, I just didn't vibe with it that much, and it did just feel like this film... I know it is what it is in terms of what I'm going to say. You're going to be like, well, yes. But it did feel like it was just a full setup for the next instalment. And at two and a half hours, that is one heck of a setup. And, I, and again, I know it's completely two different genres and such, but I remember coming out and saying, like, it reminded me in a way of, like, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, you know, when you're, like, just waiting for the next one. That's how I felt with this one. I'm not saying that at the same level. Don't get me wrong. MI is it is a good and it's a good film. I've said it's a good film, Dead Reckoning. But I just felt like they were just constantly just just setting up what's gonna come next. Now, just while I am speaking of the negatives, I spoke earlier about jumping the shark. And so to kind of back that up, that's really down to the huge set pieces, in particular the train sequence that we see, obviously they've seen in the marketing. Yes, right, it is fun. I'm not saying it's not fun, and it's got the classic Mission Impossible traits of people, you know, wearing masks, pretending to be whoever, etc., etc. On top of that, you've got Tom Cruise doing his stunt, jumping off the cliff and paragliding down to the train itself. However, it's the first MI film where I've sat in the cinema and thought, this could be a Fast and Furious movie, and that's not good for me. That is really, really not good. You'll know what I mean when you see it, but it was really, really quite surreal in a way. There's a moment that we have seen in a Fast and Furious film involving climbing on top of something and jumping off before it falls off a cliff and whatnot. I was like, come on now, come on now. And again, I know that the MI films do touch on that ridiculousness side of things at times, but this for me was just a little bit too far. But again, within that train sequence, there is stuff to enjoy and take away from it. I'm not saying that all of it was terrible. It's just that I was a little bit like, oh, you're pushing it just a little bit. And again, the film does have these great other moments as well, such as like its comedic moments, elements. And again, I'm not opposed to this. I do like a good laugh, but there were times when I thought, you know what, like try not to be an MCU film. You know, that, that kind of like silence where they're allowing the audience like to react to it, which I, I didn't I didn't like that. However, 
I have no issues in some of the humour. There was some absolutely fantastic... You can't have Simon Pegg in a film and not laugh. You know what I mean? So again, no issues with that. But I really think that was just mainly the negatives I was feeling towards the film. So I've got that out of the way. Let's get back to some positives because Pom Clementive, who plays a character, Paris, again, loved this character. You'll be familiar with Pom Clementive. She plays Mantris, obviously, in Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2 and 3. Really, really phenomenal performer. Like, hardly says anything in the film, but means absolute business. Like, perfect for me, perfect character. Think she was absolutely fantastic. She is the right-hand, like, gal to the villain of the film and she is a serious serious fighter and again has a stunning fight sequence with Cruz in a very narrow hallway now the lighting here for that fight was gorgeous really really gorgeous and with how Macquarie all the way through this film did these very low at camera angles you know it really worked to keep especially with this particular fight keep that frame tight as say with with this kind of sequence in particular where they're fighting in a very tight knit you know between all these walls surrounding them it worked so so well now i do love speaking of like the cameras and such and the angles and everything i do love how the mi films always try to look differently to the previous one which again macquarie although he has directed the last three mi films now he still keeps up that direction and tradition for the films and does have a different feel to its predecessors as mentioned a moment ago the film does use these low angle shots where the, they're aiming up towards the actors on like a slight angle and i thought it worked really well for like i said these intense moments to kind of really gauge how a character feels at that moment you know really focusing on those facial expressions i thought it, it worked and aided the film perfectly i also liked how the film felt very game-esque or at least it used inspiration from games the opening sequence in the namib desert i have Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. That felt like something that was out of like Call of Duty or anything like that kind of first person shooter game. You know, something along those lines. That sequence was really, really great with the bounty hunters, you know, popping the heads around corners whilst you have to shoot them down. Even getting some good POV shots as well via the sniper. It all worked so well. The train sequence as well, I had a lot of people coming out with my friends as well. Andrew, you'd be familiar with him. Uh, or featured on the Indiana Jones podcast, he came out and saying it was very, that was like Uncharted, that was literally that Uncharted 2, I think it is. So it is nice to see games again being an inspiration for the action, much like that was done for the latest John Wick film. Speaking of Mr. Wick, I said this year that Dead Reckoning could probably be the only film to top Wick 4 for me this year. And again, as I mentioned, I just can't help feel disappointed that it didn't reach the same levels that John Wick 4 did. Again, as I keep stressing, it's not a bad film. Don't get me wrong, it is not a bad movie, but it is not great. That's the level that I was expecting. It should be great, but it wasn't. And I'm like, oh, that's disappointing. So yeah, it's like, I need to remind myself that it is just one half of a story here. And there is more to come. So hopefully, once I've seen part two, it might redeem the first part for me. And I, I, I really want to stress, it ain't bad. You know what I mean? I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I love these Mission Impossible films. They are so good. People compare them, obviously, to like the James Bond. They're like the, the, the These films, some people say, are like the films for the people that don't really like James Bond. And I get that, absolutely. It, they are fun. They are so, so much fun. The effort that goes in is tremendous. So... As I say, I don't like coming out being like I'm disappointed with that, but still, I can't help how I felt during this film. But right now, I would say that Dead Reckoning Part 1, it's a 6.5 for me. Like At the moment, it's a 6.5. I'm certainly not going to stop watching these films, as they are, as I say, so much fun. But this reminded me of a lot how I felt after watching Rogue Nation MI5, which was like, yeah, it was good, pretty fine, not the best MI film. 
that's where I'm at with it. But I would love, more importantly, to know where you stand with Dead Reckoning Part 1. I am seeing so much praise for it, and it is fantastic to see the amount of money that it's making already. So it's going to be a huge hit. We're all excited for Dead Reckoning Part 2. I can't wait to see what happens next with it. It leaves it a good point for you to be like, right, let's take a breather. Let's rewatch this in the time before the Dead Reckoning Part 2 comes out, and we will enjoy Dead Reckoning Part 2. I've got no issues or concerns that the next one isn't going to be great because they've done so much setup that I'm expecting big, big, big things now. Anyways, as I say, I want to know what you think of Dead Reckoning Part part 1. Part 2, it's not even out yet, Joe, come on. Part 1. And uh, let me know your ranking. Let me know what your favourite MI film is. this your new favourite MI film? Have you got any others in the franchise that's your favourite? Let me know anyways. As I say, I might do a ranking at some point once the next ones come out or something just to go over them all, but you kind of probably guess which ones are my favourite. Basically, 6 and 4. There you go. They're the best ones for me. But let me know your thoughts, more importantly. Thank you, as always, for clicking on the podcast. Do share and support us. As I say, I really do appreciate all the support in the world, but if you can keep hitting that the review button, whatever it is, leave us five stars on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can. That would be tremendous. But again, thank you so much for listening. Until the next episode, take care.